New Haven, and welcome back to Arts Respond on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. I'm your host, Lucy Gelman, and today I'm very excited to be with partners in life, work, and literacy. I think it's fair to say Nora Bernal and Ruben Rodriguez. Um, first of all, welcome. I Anything with books, I just am really excited to talk about. So welcome, welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we will be talking about many things during this interview, but one of the most exciting, just because I love anything to do with literacy, is um, a, a fair, a book fair for children that is approaching at the Fairhaven Library on Earth Day, which if you don't know when Earth Day is, it's April 22nd, and this fair kicks off at 11 in the morning, so not too, too early for maybe kids who want to sleep in a little bit. And I would love to talk about this because the Fairhaven branch, and I will say all five branches of the New Haven Free Public Library, do such important and wonderful work. But Fairhaven is also at a point where they're without a children's librarian right now. And I would love to know how the idea for this fair started and then how it blossomed into an actual project. Well, it's true that we we lost our last children's librarian and it has been like a, a up and downs in the process of having someone there consistently. I am a volunteer since, um, I mean, for several years now, I don't remember how long I started also um, at Mitchell Library as a volunteer when we first came to New Haven in 2009. But um Let's say that the absence of the librarian right now, yeah, it's like a, a problem, but I do believe that families are still expecting things to happen. So we are trying to keep the space open for the story time on Tuesdays morning. By the way, everyone is invited to that story time. It's Tuesday at, Tuesdays at 1030. It's a bilingual story story time. And uh, from that, we decided that we could launch the book. And that was the idea in the first place on a very special day. Uh, it's a very special day for me, it's Earth Day, which is basically the day of our home planet. And um, a good reason to remember all the, all the things we can do <laughs> to better take care of it. Um, so that will be start that will start at 11 and we will have some fun things to do. Um, and I'm inviting pre pre-Ks in the in the area. Uh, sometimes preschools come and visit us for a story hour and I'm very hopeful they will come and join us that day. Because that's very close to Centro San Jose, right? I yeah, think, right on Grand. Yeah. One on Ferry Street, two on Grand Avenue. Mm -hmm. from the, I think it's called Catholic, uh, Catholic Charities. Yes. And then yeah. Lunac is, of course, very close as well. Yeah. So I also want to talk about the fact that this grew out of also the fact that you are an author and an illustrator, respectively. Well, two, two really two authors and also an illustrator. <laughs> and Nora, you have really Nora and Ruben, you have this beautiful new book called The Child and the Tree. And I don't want to ruin it because everyone should come to the book fair on the 22nd at 11 a.m. Yeah. But I, I will say, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say it is just um, an incredibly beautiful story that also reminds people that it is it is still possible to have hope in this world, which I think is maybe hard sometimes. And I'm I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners a little bit about the process of coming up with this idea and then making it into a reality. Yeah. So it, it has been a very, very long process, several years, because you pick ideas here and there, and then you realize, oh, we can put this two together. And if you see the story has like many elements or ingredients in it. One of it is migration. It's, it's a theme in the book, but we also have the environment and care about the planet, the story uh, of the of the tree, and also the, the context, a desert, a very challenging place. Um, so there is resilience both in the child and in the tree. Um, and that combination of ingredients 
it has been a let's say like a slow cooker it has been cooking really slow um but one of the things that happened and in fact it was here in new haven was um uh, our youngest son had a very special friend and i was chatting with her about this book um by shell silverstein um the giving tree very very famous tree uh, sorry very famous book and she told me you know what she was 10 at the time she was 10 years old and she told me this is such an unsatisfying story i mean like those comments you hear from a child and you're like oh that's very interesting because um she said it just very openly and um i kept thinking about this word unsatisfying versus a satisfying story and I wonder what were the elements that brought her to that conclusion? And from there, I started this reflection on how, uh, what kind of child we can portray that conveys a more um, satisfying story and a more satisfying ending too. Um, and that was the process, adding here and there more elements. So some of the elements also that were added and those are more recent in the story of the of the book is the environmental elements of how to make possible for an ancient forest to regenerate itself, which is basically what nature does naturally. Uh, trees that we found or even a stump can grow back. But in this in this place, in a very arid and dry place, it has to be a very um, intentional process. Let's say we have to help nature to do its job. Um, so it comes the element of the pruning. It comes the mud bowls that are used for very ancient times to plant trees in very, very dry places. And all those elements added to the recipe to make it like more, um, more complete and hopefully more satisfying. <laughs> and I I would love to ask also about both of your relationship with, well, both with migration and with nature. So um, we had, I think mentioned this off mic, but um, you live in New Haven now, you've lived in New Haven since 2009, but you came from Colombia. And so you have a, a tie to the story of migration, which we know can be complicated and layered, especially in this country, especially under some of the last presidents that we've had. I'm, I'm not going to get political, but because um, mm -hmm. we're talking about children's literature, but um, but also the tree um, becomes a person, sort of. Um, the tree has certain human character. I'm really trying not to ruin anything. The tree has certain human characteristics. Um, including a, a huge capacity to feel and to have a relationship with this child who in turn has a really beautiful relationship with the tree. And when I was reading the book, I thought a lot about um, sort of non-Western, but then also indigenous perceptions of nature and the understanding of the planet as something that is living um, and the understanding then of, of stewardship of the earth as something that is tied to our very survival, which I think maybe gets lost a little bit in this era of climate change. And and so I would like to know, you know, for both of you, and you're also parents, so what is your own relationship with nature? Yeah. Well, so, with nature, you want to answer that one? Um, yeah, I would like to talk. It is very interesting, Lucy. Um you mentioned many things. I will talk only about the immigration one, but uh, I know that Norai will explain much better the, the relationship with nature. So actually, this is the third time we live uh, as an immigrant family. Uh, when we just got married, we, we went to France. I was a student at that time. And we lived in France uh, as immigrants too. And... Uh, then we went back to Colombia, uh, beginning from scratch, uh, everything. Then we came here uh, in 2009, beginning from scratch, again with the three boys. And the book describes a little bit that uh, simple uh, life where resources are not abundant, 
but there is always that possibility of building a lot from whatever you you have at hand mm -hmm. and it is more an attitude of exploring uh, a hopeful exploration uh, a journey of faith using whatever life throws at you <laughs> to to build to make it better so yes this uh this book took so many years uh, because it began to unravel a series of experiences thoughts layers that we didn't have the time to process at the time those things happened. And we got to the point that we began to process, and I will say we began to heal uh, through the creation of, of this story. There are two more um, ingredients in the immigration part, and one is um, I volunteer with Iris here on, at, in New Haven with Afghan families. Um, obviously more with women and children. And I could, let's say, relive through them all our <laughs> arrival here. There isn't a very nice book that the title is The Arrival. And there's also the idea of everything is so different, so new. So you have to figure out every single thing, where to buy this, where to get that, how to get there, um, and all those elements. Um, but also when I was in Colombia, I worked for an NGO. Um, and at the time I worked with many, many families that were displaced by violence. And you could see in those kids also this, like what you see in every kid in, in, around the world and particularly in very difficult situations is this desire of, of discovering something better or, or even to make something out of almost nothing, you know, a stick or, a little hole on the earth and playing with that because that's all you have. And this resilience of, of the human spirit of even making like a small bubble just to make life bearable at some point. Um, we, we didn't want to be that, um, um, that we, we wanted to show it in a gentle enough way so that you don't get scared, but you get the idea of a child that is lacking so many things, but still, you can make a reality of your own. In this case, nature kind of intervenes and comforts, you know, it's a comfort. And that interaction, what you say, nature in that moment when you don't have anything else, but it's, you have this little thing, it can be a tree, it can be a bird, it can be even a rock, you know, and you find beauty in that. And that takes you to the other step, which is basically what we show there and what we have lived is journeying. You don't stay there, you, you're on a journey and you keep going. You don't necessarily know where and how, but you keep going. And whatever you went, whatever, whatever you got the chance to do, you leave it better just because you were there. And that's the idea, that's the idea because we're all journeying, even if some people don't go very far or very different places, you're still traveling. And this is also the idea of stewardship. You mentioned the word stewardship is just having this attitude of we don't really own the earth. We're just here for a moment. And while we're here, we're stewards. What do we do with what we have in front of us? Right now we have an, a backyard. First time we have a house and uh, we pick this house because of the backyard and the tree in the backyard. And now we feel like we feel like stewards. We have to make something out of this, make it better, more beautiful, make it fruitful. And we have our first uh, apple harvest uh, a couple years ago from a tree that we planted. And that's just exciting. We, you know, the, the, the prospect of making something better and nature just helps all the time. And that, you know, is this child, do you see yourself in this child? Do you see your children in this child? <laughs> I do. And, uh, you know, in the in the author's notes at the end of the book, I say that just seeing them growing up as immigrants, 
learning a new language and uh, like you said, very layered experience with bittersweet um, things, you know, and it really, yeah, they are there very much, though I have three boys and this is a girl. <laughs> so this is our girl. <laughs> yeah, and the the process of creating the, the character, um, it took a lot of time. Uh, somehow you cannot, you cannot fake uh, a character that you want uh, to communicate life through it. It needs to be alive. It needs to come from somewhere deep in your heart. And yes, I, I can't disclose who who is the inspiration for, for, for this character, but he's a very close person to me and also an immigrant and uh, a resilient, powerful woman uh, who began again from scratch her journey. And I, so I do want to talk about also the Fairhaven Library, just because I love the New Haven Free Public Library so much. But I want to talk about the influences that went into this book, because so you've said it was a journey and it's a was a literary journey about journeying in some ways. Um, but the sort of the source texts that you reference at the end are so I was so moved. Those are very wide ranging. And I think some people think of children's literature as simplistic or basic, and it's not at all. And so I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit about the inspirations for both of you um, as you were writing this, even as you were mapping out the book. Yeah. So we definitely have as a big reference is um, Shel Silverstein's uh, Giving Tree, of course. Um, I think I read it a thousand times from many different, I mean, at very different moments. So it's, and that's the magic of a book. It's always different. <laughs> it's always different. And I mean, when I was a teenager, it was one thing. And then um, when I was a mom, it was a different thing, the same book. And so that's that's the first one. Of course, we had um, Dr. Seuss lyrics and... Um, which I just read very recently. I was shocked. Like the first time I read it, it was fun. And now I was shocked. I was like, oh my, what a mess. It's a mess. Um, it's a mess. And especially if it's true or if it's the future that awaits us is like, I mean, depressing. Um, very, very good point. Of course, Dr. Seuss was a genius. Um, and I was reading several poems here and there. I love poetry. Um, during... Um, a poetry workshop in Argentina because now we can do anything anywhere in the world with Zoom. <laughs> I was in this workshop and we read this poem by June Jordan and she basically nailed it with only one sentence. The tree that has not been planted yet. I was like, there's oh, this image of a community holding hands probably and you know, kind of a very, very warm moment. And then we, we were around and around a tree that is not even there yet. It's like, I mean, it's so powerful as an image. And that's the beauty of poetry, by the way, just making you um, imagine so much with just a few words. <laughs> but um, that poem was, was very important. Then I have the other poem, uh, only one sentence too, just hit me. Um, and it's... Uh, who would like to live? That's a translation from the German, so I'm not sure which one is right. But uh, who would like to live without the comfort of trees? And I'm like, wow, trees comfort me in many ways. And yeah, I'm a tree lover. <laughs> so no surprise. But it, they also do it just to, in the most silent and gentle way. They don't pretend anything. They're just what they are. And they're there and we have some shade and uh, there is this beautiful story in the Bible of the prophet Jonah. He was desperate. He was angry. And then there was a plant that covered the place where he was and he was having this shade and maybe a little fruit and having a comfort. 
And then the plant disappeared and he was so disappointed. It's because, yeah, plants give gives us so much. I'm talking in a brother way, brother sense, it's nature gives us, gives us everything. <laughs> everything we need is there. <laughs> it really, yeah, I, I think about that all the time, how um, I was recently in a botanical garden and it was like, here is the plant that you use to get aspirin. And here is the plant that you use to get yeah. what, what what is now sold, you know, as like Bayer aspirin or um, as ibuprofen. And um, here is the plant that women would use for reproductive purpose, you know, for their like reproductive monthly cycles. And plants are amazing too. Like at Wilson Library, I know they have the Sunflower Project and sunflowers remediate toxic soil, which is so amazing. Um, trees pull um, uh, like carbon out of the atmosphere and with yeah so i mean trees are incredible trees are amazing yeah about the influences for for me i i have tried to take advantage of every single opportunity to visit museums and to walk them and to have conversations with the paintings or sculptures or illustrations. And over the years, uh, you begin to create a mental catalog of art that really nurtures your, your life. And I will say uh, there are so many things about uh, Picasso uh, in one of his periods, because Picasso is basically everything, <laughs> but one of his periods, uh, he was using these uh, thick um, stroke to paint uh, the human figure in a in a really um, not abstract form. It was uh, mostly figurative, and then. That was like one of the inspirations. Um, there are at least two illustrators that I admire highly uh, because with few lines, they describe so much. Mm. One of them is uh, a French illustrator. He passed away last year at 84, 85. Uh, Sampé, uh, her last nice. name. Jacques Sampé, and uh, he was one of the traditional uh, illustrators for the New Yorker uh, many times. And the way he observed nature and he took the essence of uh, trees, uh, parks, landscape, individuals was really really impressive with so few lines. And the other one is an Argentinian uh, cartoonist, Kino, that's his artistic name, Q-U-I-N-O, and you, write, uh, you pronounce Kino. Uh, his most famous character is Mafalda, M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-L-M-A-
I think it's, uh, and we plan to do it bilingual. So, um, which is know, so important, which is also a translation of the, the what we do on Tuesday mornings. And again, 1030, everyone is invited. And an additional layer to that is right now, the New schools are close to 50% of uh, Hispanic families, uh, Spanish speaking families. So, and so it is it is so relevant to create those spaces to promote uh, a language that at least 30% of this city is speaking. I think more at this point. I think um, by the census numbers from the most recent census, we're a plurality Latino-Hispanic city. Um, and certainly in Fairhaven, I think being bilingual in English and Spanish is really, it's really, really important. Um, last year or two years ago, we saw work with uh, Vaccinate Fairhaven, which did wonderful work out of the Fairhaven Health um, Healthcare uh, building on, on Grand, so close to the library. And um, volunteers either needed to be bilingual or buddy up with someone who was bilingual. So, I mean, I, I think that's really, really important. We're also in a moment in this country when it's really important. Yeah, and you know, I see a, really a growing interest in, um, let's say, monolinguals <laughs> to to get uh, more acquainted with other languages, not only Spanish, and also to make their kids, to get the, the kids the, the exposure to other languages. So we have a French-speaking um, family in our read-alouds on Tuesday, and they are very interested in their kids to to be exposed to Spanish. So we're doing a little bit of everything and um, I wish we could, you know, make other uh, volunteers join for other languages as well. We do publish uh, multilingual books, two to three languages. I love that. Um, and I think one of the first languages for this book will be Arabic. Also because the tree I was inspired by mainly, which is the gaff tree, is the national tree of the UA uh, United Arab, oh, how do you pronounce that? United Arab Emirates. Emirates. I don't know how to pronounce that. UAE. Uh, that's their national tree. And um, so Arabic uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I know Arab. I know um, at the Wilson branch, where I think you mentioned having worked a little bit with John Jesson as of the late wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. City librarian, John Chesson, who began as a children's librarian. And I think to, like to his final days in the New Haven Free Public Library was very true to those roots as a children's librarian. I remember him singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with kids. He uh, brought in the Reading with Rabbits program in the hill um, where he had like farm animals <laughs> with children, which was wonderful. So I also want to ask what folks can expect on on the 22nd at 11, because it's not just a story time, although story times are wonderful. It's also a, a fair. Well, it, I call it more a launch. <laughs> a launch is perfect. Let's talk. Um, let's call it a launch. Well, we're having ruffles. Uh, what 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 I expect, and that's something I'm working on these these couple of weeks. I mean, this week and a half left. It's um, the dream is to bring all these pre preschoolers to come and bring their parents. <laughs> Last a couple of weeks ago, we had forty six kids from these preschools, and they are so cute. They are such good listeners, and I I I mean that's a dream just to have them and their parents. And lots of people. That's the dream. <laughs> and then we will have the the reading, of course, in English and Spanish. And we will have uh, the opportunity to draw Alma. Her name is Alma. In Spanish. In Spanish. She has a name. Um, uh, so I will I will teach the kids how to draw Alma. And. Um, we will have the raffles that Nora mentioned uh, with really nice, beautiful things that we are preparing for that day. And uh, we will sign books. 
and especially the the message uh, around everything we are doing is uh, promote literacy among oh, yes. hispanic families yeah in the in the like in the to summarize the dream the reason to volunteer the reason to make books is to have parents reading to their kids um and that is something we do admire from the american culture i think you are a very amazing uh, um, I mean, you have this amazing approach to childhood and books is a big ingredient in, in just raising a kid. We do have that, but somehow, somehow we, none of us in, in our generation, and I've spoken with people from Mexico, Argentina, and uh, many other countries, Hispanic countries, and they didn't grow up uh, by with, with books being read to them. Books, yes, but not books being read to them. And sometimes I see moms um, at the story hour and they kind of reluctant in trying to read to their kids. And that is really something I want to make a difference in. I want to tell them not only you can do it, but you will love doing it. Um, like, um, of course, because you love books too and literacy, uh, you understand how valuable and how much fun books are. Um, and it's a discovery yet uh, for many. Um, that experience of reading to your child makes such a difference in their growth. So that is uh, something we want to keep working on, something I'm very passionate about uh, to empower these moms to really read to their kids. And we have libraries, so many resources, New Haven Reads. I mean, <laughs> that was my heaven when I came. When I first came in, we had to give up all our books. We only brought a, a bunch of favorites and I just discovered New Haven Reads. I was in heaven. Oh, I mean, <laughs> amazing place. And then there, of course, the library. But um, that is that is like the biggest goal is to get more Hispanic parents to read to their kids in their language because they will learn English sooner or later. But uh, in school, you know, English will come very naturally, but then they have to keep their Spanish alive. I say it because our, our sons also came only uh, speaking in Spanish. And then it started to grow, their their English started to, to develop and to take over. <laughs> So it was a struggle to keep the Spanish in them. Uh, and we know it will be the case for every family. Kids will, will, will learn English very fast, but keeping their mother tongue is a struggle. So if we can get that more, I mean, through reading to keep their language alive, to enjoy it also, because some kids grow up speaking only in English and they kind of resent uh, the other language that is unfamiliar, though it's the it should be the most familiar language, is the paradox there. Um, to love their language and um, because their parents, that's the main language usually, or just to share it with others who are interested. You know, like I say, many people, many people here who are English speakers are very interested in other languages as well, and the sooner the better you learn it. I mean, kids they learn really much better than us <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is tr true just watch watching young people and um in my work often reporting on young people yes I co-sign everything um and I mean I also think one thing I often hear from folks who maybe have experienced a migration journey um also people who identify as folks of color I often hear a concern that there are not enough books that are reflecting their experience. And so was that also part of the driving force in, in writing for you? Yes, it is. Um, I remember years ago, somebody mentioning this, when you are at a table, ask the question, uh, who is not here? What is the voice that you are missing in this conversation? And this effort to 
to create materials uh, began many years ago, uh, 20 years uh -huh. ago, maybe. And it was an effort to give to our own kids something that they could find relevant and exciting and reflective of their own lives. And we began to create books uh, for them uh, with cardboard and markers and and we have those books right now and um, i can show you one so this one started when uh, our oldest was one and it's a color book uh that basically has at the end um it relates to them and to their parents and that this book became became this a couple years ago um it's basically the same book but in in a different format and and then uh yes so alma purposefully she's a, a beautiful girl strong girl with strong feet, strong feet. Yeah. and her hair is wild <laughs> curly ruly yeah. it moves it is all over the place and and she doesn't use shoes she's always barefoot which is something interesting many kids and yesterday we read the book to a preschool and one kid was refusing to wear shoes <laughs> and I was like oh that's very much into the story <laughs> because somehow we always we all have this time or we had all this enjoyment of just being barefoot. And this girl is always barefoot. <laughs> and, and her skin reflects uh, the desert. It is not exactly the same color as the sand uh, surrounding her, but it's that connection with her context. Mm -hmm. I... I also wanted to, like, this is a very hopeful book. And sometimes I feel like we are in a time that is not always hope. It, it feels hard. We're in a time that feels hard. And um, I am not a parent, although I love um, kids and want their future to be very bright and and free of, like, harm of, a, you know, a warming world and, and sort of all of those fears. And at the same time, I'm wondering, um, you know, where the optimism with which you wrote and illustrated is coming from. Also, because you have like you are raising children in this world where we are talking about things like migration, like deforestation, um, like climate change, all, all of those like like the growing desert. Nora, you said this takes place in a desert and we know that the desert is expanding in parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I do you want to answer? Well, okay. One thing is um hope. Hope, yeah, hope is a very, very important subject. Um, or let's say um uh, it's infused <laughs> in the book. Um and I will say there are two aspects to that. And um I like the way it's described by somebody. I don't know who had that idea, describing children's books as mirrors and windows. Um, in terms of a window, this gives like a, a, a glimpse to the child and the parent of, uh, let's say, another world, another dimension, another place where things are hard, when they have basically nothing compared maybe to me, uh, and that's a mirror, I have this, I have that, this girl doesn't have this, doesn't have that. And all, all these uh, connections that you can make to basically give you a perspective. And that perspective, and I will say that because as an immigrant, sometimes you don't see a way out of things. Sometimes you don't see beyond, I mean, you don't see beyond this. We can tell stories about that. Uh, yeah, many stories when you you couldn't, you didn't even know where you, where you wake up next morning. And meanwhile, you see people around you who are, uh, anxious about other things but it's like these two different worlds living side to side 
And one, when you have the opportunity to see the other, the other's world, you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I can do more than I thought. Maybe I have enough to do something about things. And you feel empowered. And so what happens to this girl is she, she is empowered. What does she have? She has her feet, her hands, and a tree. And what she does makes all the difference. Yeah, it's not huge. It's not the whole world. It's not a whole country. But that little corner of the world changed because of her. Because she was in tune, in sync with this, this nature. And uh, I think we do sometimes. And that's something that just journeying uh, through different situations like migration or immigration or emigration. And I still don't know the difference about those all those terms. <laughs> But just be, being in different places and challenging situations, it teaches you so much about what you can really do with very little, very little. And because it's true. So sometimes when, when we see like problems here, we don't see them this in the same way. We don't see them as problems in the same way. And that perspective, that window allows me to mirror my own reality and and decide well maybe i have i have enough to make a difference yeah i on my side i i think there are so many things we cannot control yeah. means you mentioned a few of them uh at a planetary level uh at a political level, um, knowing that as an immigrant, you cannot vote, so your participation is unexistent. Uh, your voice doesn't count, in, in doesn't have that weight in the decision-making. But um, I will refer to one of the people that was most, most influential in my life, my mom. Uh, her life was really, really tough. And to mention this, um, when she was six years old, uh, her whole family, dad, mom, brothers, sisters, and, and herself, they needed to flee uh, and live behind house, uh, animals, animals yeah. everything, because they didn't have the right political party at that time. They didn't have the right uh, allies to depend upon. And if they didn't leave, they, they were going to be killed. And she was the most hopeful person you oh, could yeah. ever know. Uh, there was always a way. There was always a uh, a better tomorrow to come. There were dreams to be accomplished. And uh, I grew up absorbing that uh, hope, absorbing that reality of hope shaping life and creating a garden of beauty uh, from a desert. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, as, as you go into that, are you feeling all the things like excitement to share this work, um, which you've been sharing, but, but I don't know, for some reason, this like April 22nd launch date, which is also honoring the earth, feel like there's something that feels very official about it to me. It does. <laughs> it does. It does. And by the way, there is one one big gift that we want to uh, offer everybody that day is the free ebook, paperless. I mean, you can't get more ecological than that. <laughs> no paper involved, and um, it's it's a free ebook, and that will be not not only um, on Saturday but also the whole weekend, twenty the twenty second and the twenty third April, um, to celebrate Earth Day. We have a free ebook, both in English and Spanish. Um, and 
Yeah, sorry. So, yes, we're excited. I am excited. Uh, we have been waiting for this day to come for many years. And this will be like the culmination of a whole process of conversations, discussions, uh, challenges, uh, learnings, um, pauses, patience, and hard work. So we are happy. I would also say that it brings a lot of responsibility because it's like uh, having a baby. <laughs> and you know that the baby is born, but once the baby is born, the hard work begins. And it's, um, yeah, spreading the word. <laughs> make, make, uh, make, uh, give the book a long life and a good life, hopefully. So if people want to find, certainly they can find you on April 22nd at 11 a.m. at the Fairhaven Branch Library on Grand Avenue. And we'll share all of that information with the interview. Um, but if people want to find you on the internet before then, how can they do so? Well, there is a, a website, and that's my name, Nora Bernal, N-O-H-R-A-B-E-R-N-A-L.com. Everything is there. And if you browse, I mean, you do your Google search, you will find the child on the tree in bookshop.org, of course, on Amazon, and also Barnes & Noble and other independent retailers. So you will see around yeah so my name has an h in the middle it's nora but n-o-h-r-a <laughs> yeah um well i i do want to thank you and just before we go i always say you know is there something more that you want to share um of course before the 22nd which i'll see you there barring any uh you know we live in COVID times so we never know but <laughs> yeah um something else before we go, that we continue working, that there are at least five uh, new projects in different stages of development. Um, a lot of excitement, a lot of momentum. Um, we feel the responsibility to play our role in this uh, literacy uh, ideal. And we will continue uh, doing what we love to do which is creating. Yeah. Thank you so much. And the, I guess the actual last question. So I ask people, artists, um, you're also educators, how they care for themselves in taking care of the world and in your, your case, also taking care of your family. That's such a good question. Um, there was this image I saw um posted on Facebook about it was an iceberg and it showed just a little tip and it the the label was this is an artist's work and what you see. So what you see is the tip and all this work underneath that nobody's seeing. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And how do we take care of ourselves? And again, I think that has to do with the book. Nature helps me really uh just going out and um uh, we have rabbits in the backyard, seeing the rabbits, looking at the stars, enjoying the shade, smelling the flowers, old fashioned stuff, just having a stroll by the shore. We are two blocks from each shore park, and that's a beautiful park. Uh, we have Fort Hale, the seawall, lighthouse. Anything that has to do with nature is the way I recharge my batteries. Uh, but also, it can be tricky but uh, reading poetry <laughs> really helped me so much my favorite poet is mary oliver at the moment i i have a kind of really strict routine to take care of myself i try to limit my work hours uh, in music in schools i have an amazing team uh, all the support of the leadership of the school of music and it allows me to to have a balanced life. Um, I sleep really well, <laughs> which is a good thing to begin with. Um, I love to cook. So I cook my own food, which is also a good thing to do. 
I exercise with my youngest son. The other two are already in college. So we go together. We have quality time uh, with, with him. And um, I keep playing my trombone that is right there. And recently I began uh, to, I restart to, to playing piano. And it's so much fun. I I am having a blast. So it is like trying to put together so many different little pieces to to keep balance. And yes, uh, to to build to take care of uh, your community, your closer community. In this case, Nora, uh, Gabriel, my kids, and close friends. Uh, we are not alone. I want to thank both of you so much for coming on with with me on Arts Respond on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, Nora Bernal and Ruben Rodriguez. Thank you both so much. And if you want to find out more, and you should want to find out more, um, you can go to the official launch of The Child and the Tree on April 22nd, which is Earth Day. So some beautiful honoring of Mother Earth um, at 11 a.m. at the Fairhaven Branch Library on Grand Avenue. Thank you both so much for taking some time with me today. I really appreciate you. And um, I, I know that the beautiful temperatures are outside are, are because our world is warming, but I also hope that you can enjoy the sunshine and the nature around us today. Thank you so much for having us, Lucy. We also appreciate your work your love for the community, your service. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm grateful, deeply grateful. And then you are you are like Alma in your role, connecting this community and making this world a better place. Thank you for your work. Oh, thank you. And my hair. Um, my I when I was reading it, I thought, oh, my hair is a little like Alma's hair. <laughs> so and you're growing an amazing forest. Oh, thank you. Well, and I don't like wearing shoes. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I get it. <laughs> thank you both so much. And I'll see you, if not sooner, on the 22nd. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. -bye. bye, -bye.